unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my this morning. Thank you for being here, being part of our service today. We have quite a few of our folks uh, are at last to leaders today, so uh, we will carry on with, uh, with them and remember them as they are traveling back home today. A couple, th- couple folks that we need to remember in prayer, uh, Sandra Nees, 
they used to be here many years ago, a few years ago, or there in Jackson. She'll be having heart surgery tomorrow. We need to remember her. And also, David now had uh, surgery this last week, and we need to remember them in our prayers also. We come together this morning to worship the Lord. Let's begin our service in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all of the many blessings that you bestow upon us. Our Father, thank you for this time of year where the world stops and remember a risen Christ. We pray that you will be with us today as we worship that risen Savior. And we pray that you that we will worship you in accordance with your will. Father, we bring Sandra Knees before you that you will be with her as she has surgery. We also pray for David now as he's undergoing the health problems that he has at this time. We pray that you'll be with all of the others that are mentioned in our bulletin that are being that are sick. That you will be with them and the doctors that are ministering to them. Be with us through this service. Help us to do what's right in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First song this morning will be Hosanna, You're My King. Would you stand with me as we sing the song together? We lift our voices in praise. Hosanna, You're My King. Hosanna, You're My King. Thank 
You bow with me. Our Father in heaven, we come to you today thanking you for this day, this first day of the week. We thank you for the privilege we have to come here and have worship and worship you and safety. And, and Father, we just pray that we might do this in a manner to be pleasing to you. We're thankful for our country, our communities, that we have a safe place that we can worship. We thank you for our many teachers and preachers and song leaders and for each member. We just pray that we'll serve you and teach your word and live for you each day. And Father, we thank you for our youth. Thank you for the ones that stand Bible bold and last leaders and speech and different faucets of the program. We just pray that they learn much of your word and we'll use it as they go through life each day to serve you. And we just pray that they might have a safe journey home from wherever they live, from the many states that participate. And Father, we just pray that you'll be with our sick Help each of them in the ways that they need, as you know their needs, Father. Also be with those as much bereaved and pray that they'll look to you for comfort and be comforted in your word. And just, Father, pray that you'll help each of us as we go through each day to keep you first in our minds and strive to do your will and live for you. We pray that this time that you'll be with Jim as he directs our thoughts and bring in your word and just help us to listen with open ears and minds and hearts and take your word in that we might live a, a more pure Christian life for you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. song of invitation will be How Deep the Father's Love. If, uh, after Brother Jim's lesson, song before he preaches with us is In Christ Alone. Let's sing. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid
And the scripture reading this morning will be taken from Luke chapter 22, verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Good morning. I join with Tommy in uh, welcoming you here. If you're joining us on social media, we welcome you as well. Uh, as many of you know, we've got about 50 of our number that are probably on their way back from Little Rock from the Lads to Leaders Convention, and we wish them safety. You know, uh, across the world, People are thinking about Jesus Christ today. This is not a national holiday, but it is a day in which many people remember that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. Of course, we as the Lord's Church remember that every Sunday. But Jesus reminded us that we are supposed to remember him. When he was instituting the Lord's Supper, he said in Luke, the 22nd chapter, do this in remembrance of me. When Paul was uh, writing to the church in Corinth and talking about his personal conversations with Jesus, he reminded them that Jesus on two occasions said, do this in remembrance of me. Well, if you think about this, what is it that we should remember? Well, I would suggest to you that we should remember the magnitude of what Jesus gave up. When Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, he said, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men." Just think about where he came from and where he came to. When uh, John wrote his gospel, he had this to say about Jesus. In John, the first chapter, beginning in verse 3. All things were created through him, and without him nothing was created that was created. Think back there to what we read about in Genesis where the conversation was going on. Let us make man in our own image. Jesus was there. And as was recorded there in John, he was the instrument of creation. And yet he was willing to leave the abode of the Godhead and come to this earth. Not only come to this earth, but come and be born in a family that was very poor. Normally when they dedicate a child, a firstborn in the temple, they dedicate it with a lamb. But if you were dirt poor, you were allowed to purchase turtle doves and use those. And that's what Jesus was dedicated with. He didn't come here to be royalty. He came here to be in an ordinary family, a really a poor family, and to serve us. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even 
the death of the cross. Well, what should we remember? I think we should remember the reasons why Jesus came to earth. He said that he came to do the will of him who sent me. You can see all throughout his life, he was respectful of the Father, and he was always obedient to the Father. He said, do not think that I came to destroy the law and prophets or the Old Testament. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. You know, the people in the Israelites had a part of the Bible that they were responsible for. We as Christians have part of the Bible that we are responsible for. And yet Jesus had a part that was specific just to him. There were all sorts of prophecies about Jesus. And he was certain to fulfill every prophecy. He was born in Bethlehem. That was prophesied. He was taken to Egypt. That was prophesied. He was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. That was prophesied. When they took his garments, they didn't tear them apart. They cast lots for it. That was prophesied. When he was, even when he was on the cross and they gave him vinegar to drink, that was something that was written about in Psalm 69. So Jesus would made sure that every aspect of the Bible that applied to him was fulfilled. John wrote... And Jesus said, For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He prayed in John the 17th chapter when he was praying to his Father, Thy word is truth. You remember when they were preparing for Jesus' birth here, and Gabriel had talked to Mary, and then he talked to Joseph, and he told Joseph, and she will bring forth a son, and you will, shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Jesus himself said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He also said that when they were chastising him for his association with, with sinners, for I do not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. That might have been a little tongue-in-cheek because Paul had said in Romans the third cha chapter and verse 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When Peter preached that great sermon on the day of Pentecost, and they, people wanted to know what they needed to do. He told them to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he told him that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. <clears throat> John, in 1 John the third chapter and verse 8, wrote, that he came into this world that he might destroy the works of the devil. You know, sin separates us from God. And yet, the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away those sins. Remember what Ananias said to Saul of Tarsus? Now why tarest thou? Rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. It was the blood of Jesus Christ in baptism that would wash away his sins. And when you wash away sins, you destroy the works of the devil. 
This is sort of a scary part. You know, when Jesus came, he came forcing every one of us to make a choice. And sometimes when we make a choice, some people are not happy with that choice. Jesus said, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Some people that choose to follow Jesus will find that they'll have family members that will turn against them. Well, that wasn't a surprise to Jesus. Jesus knew that sometimes this choice was a hard choice. I really appreciate what the Hebrew writer wrote in the ninth chapter when he sort of shared about this wonderful sacrifice that Jesus had made and the impact of that sacrifice. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, that he should offer himself often, not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another, he then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed to, for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. This past few Wednesday nights ago, we studied about the lessons that we could learn from uh, Judas Iscariot. And in that, we saw that six days before the Passover, Jesus had his feet anointed. And then four days later, he had his head anointed. He was our Passover lamb. He was perfect. And because he shed his blood, we now have access to forgiveness of sins. And that's what the, the Hebrew writer here is talking about. Jesus said that he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I really appreciate the song service this morning. I mean, if you didn't hear the sermon, you were taught by the songs that Brother Jeremy picked out. And Jesus sacrifice for us is really the focus of what we are remembering today. Jesus said, the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. When Paul wrote to Titus, he told him, when talking about Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous of good works. You know, our theme this year is seek and do. I certainly hope that you have sought Jesus. I certainly hope that you have been cleansed of your sins when you were baptized. I certainly hope that you're walking in the light because that blood will continually cleanse. But you, you know, he came so that he would have a workforce zealous of good works, and we're supposed to be that workforce. We're not only to seek him, but we're to do his will. Peter talked about great and precious promises. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these 
you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Isn't it wonderful that we have access to the blessings of Christ Jesus? All spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus. The Hebrew writer, in talking about the greatness of Jesus, said in the second chapter, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. When we approach God the Father in prayer through Jesus Christ, we know that Jesus Christ is empathetic with us. He's lived this life here on this earth, and he knows everything that people can be tempted with. He's our example because he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Isn't it wonderful that we have a Savior that can approach the Father knowing what our issues are? You know, it says here that he suffered being tempted. But when you think about what we should remember, I believe one of the things that we should remember is the multitude of ways that Jesus has suffered. I would suggest to you that he suffered emotionally. Just think about how it was when Peter, who had just confessed him, then, and Jesus was sharing with them, this is what I'm going to have to go through. I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to have to be killed and then raised again. And Peter, supposedly thinking he was encouraging Jesus, told him, oh, no, you won't have to go through this. And that's where Jesus had to tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. Here his best friend was trying to dissuade him from doing the Father's will. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was there praying and he asked them to stay awake, Peter, James, and John couldn't even stay awake to be supportive of Jesus as he went to pray intensely to his Father. He asked them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Think about Judas, one of the twelve, a person that he had chosen personally and taught for three years. And then not only does he betray him for 30 pieces of silver, he comes and identifies him with a kiss. You know, it, it wasn't just Judas's chariot. The Bible tells us that all of his apostles forsook him. There in Matthew, the 26th chapter, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Peter certainly denied him three times. Jesus had foretold that. After the third time, he heard the cock crow and he looked and he saw Jesus. And he was reminded of what he had done. And the Bible tells us that he wept bitterly. In his trial, Jesus was subjected to false witnesses. I don't know if any of you have had ever, anybody ever say something untrue about you. That happens, I think, quite frequently on social media. And just think about how you feel when somebody says something untrue about you. Well, in Mark's account, they said many bore false witness against him but their testimonies did not agree. I know what God thinks about false witnesses. It's, it's one of those seven things that he hates. There in Proverbs, the sixth chapter, it says he hates a false witness who speaks lies. 
Not only did he have false witnesses at his trial, but the Roman government, and this was in fulfillment of prophecy also, crucified Jesus between two thieves. So there, Jesus is publicly displayed. Thief on the right hand, a thief on the left hand, and what would you imply? Well, this must be a thief as well. So this is an institutionalized false witness that Jesus was sinful, but he was not. Because the Hebrew writer, as I'd said before, said he was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was worshipped on his final entry into uh, Jerusalem. You remember they were saying Hosanna in the highest. They were praising him. They were laying down palm branches as he came into the, into the city. I mean, it's like a, a royal king that he was coming in. And yet just a few hours later, some of these same people are saying, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus was rejected by his own people. He was mocked by the soldiers. He was mocked by the crowd while he was on the cross. And on the cross he had to deal with the care of his own mother. Don't you know that all of this was emotionally impactful on Jesus? Isaiah prophesied that this would happen. He said he was is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. But not only was he, did he suffer emotionally, he suffered pain. One of the things that we know about was the crown of thorns that was placed on his head. In Matthew's account, when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. It also talks there about how they spat on him. They took the reed and struck him on the head. Just think about what, what are they striking? They're striking this crown of thorns and it's driving those thorns down into his flesh. And the blood is oozing forth. You're, you've got a lot of nerves on your head. And, and you know when you get hit on your head or you get cut on your head, it hurts. He was suffering pain for us. You don't read about this in the Gospels, but you do read about it in prophecy. He had his beard plucked out. Oh, that had to be painful. Isaiah wrote about that when he said, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Not only that, but he was scourged, he was physically fatigued, he was crucified. We read in Mark the 15th chapter, So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them. I should have put this in emotional pain as well. Because just think about how you would feel if you, had people, you knew the people that are supposed to love you could choose between Barabbas, the worst known criminal of the time, and Jesus to let go. And they choose Barabbas. And he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. They wanted to scourge the Apostle Paul at one time, and the Apostle Paul said to the centurion who stood by, 
Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? You see, it was a, this scourging was so terrible that a Roman citizen could not have that punishment inflicted upon them. And yet it was inflicted upon our Lord and Savior. This is a, a depiction of the Roman instrument for scourging, the flagrum. You can see the handle there. You can see the three leather thongs there. They've got pieces of uh, sheep bone and lead spikes and lead balls and pieces of lead. They would uh, take the person that was going to be scourged and usually tie them around a tree or to a stump, have them bent over so their back is, the skin is drawn tight on their back. The Jews had a law that you couldn't beat a person more than 40 stripes, and so they bought, they usually limited that to 39 to make sure they didn't violate the law, but the Romans didn't have that. They would start at the top and, and start beating the person and go down their body. This was designed to dig in and tear the flesh, tear the skin apart, Expose the muscles, expose the tendons, cause bleeding. A lot of times it was so intense that people died from the scourging. Certainly they would be so fatigued that they would not be able to maybe to carry their cross to the crucifixion as was the case for Jesus. We know that because they picked a man, Simon of Cyrene, a, Cyr a Cyrenian, to carry the cross for Jesus. You can see how he would be just so fatigued that he wouldn't have the energy left to carry such a heavy piece of timber to Golgotha. And when they got him there, they crucified him. Janita and I were in LaGrange, Georgia this past weekend. And while we were there, we visited the Biblical History Center where they talked about the crucifixion. And they actually had uh, an artifact there where they had driven one of these nails through the ankle bones of a victim of crucifixion. They would take the people and drive these big nails through the, this part of the hand, hang them up on the cross, and then drive that nail through their ankle bones to, to anchor them to the cross. They'd be hanging there sometimes for days. It was a slow, terrible death. Usually they were up there without clothes, so it was an a shameful death as well. And when they had to breathe, they'd have to press themselves down to lift themselves up. You can imagine the pain where those nails are, are through your ankles. Jesus endured that. On Friday, when they came to see how they were doing, and they came to the thief, and the, the thief was still alive and they broke his leg. They came to the other thief and he was alive and they broke his leg. You see, if your leg's broken, you can't push yourself up to breathe, so you're going to suffocate pretty quickly. But when they came to Jesus and they thrust the spear into his side, blood and water came forth. He was already dead. They didn't need to break his legs and that also was a fulfillment of prophecy. But Jesus suffered and bled for us on the cross. Not only did he suffer emotionally and in physical pain, but he suffered spiritually. 
Just think about how he was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying. In Luke's account, part of the prayer was, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there in verse 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Can you imagine the intensity of your thoughts that would cause sweat like drops of blood to be flowing down? He knew what he was facing. He knew what courage he needed to have to face the scourging and the cross, and he's praying to his father. Not only was he in intense spiritual suffering there, he was also suffering on the cross itself. In Matthew, the 27th chapter, verse 46, And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Throughout all eternity, Jesus has never been separated from God. And yet here on the cross, There were three hours of blackness. God is light. Isn't it so symbolic that they went from light to darkness? Because God and Jesus were separated. Why was he separated? There's only one thing that will separate you from God, and that's sin. And yet, he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. It was the sins that had been committed up to that point in time. It was the sins that were being committed right then. It was the sin that would be committed from then on into the future and including your and my sin. We nailed him to the cross and he suffered spiritually because of that. What should we remember? Well, we should remember that Jesus was victorious over death and the grave. Back in Matthew, the 16th chapter, in verse 18, he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The Hades he was talking about was death. Death did not defeat our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Luke's account, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb and they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. What should we remember? we should remember the potential value of all this that Jesus did. You know, Jesus said, 
If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And where whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus came and did all of this predetermined things. All of this suffering. All of this preaching. All of these miracles. So that we could have the opportunity to know that He is God and obey Him. Have you remembered Jesus by reenacting the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul talked about this in his letter to the church in Rome. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who, have, who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, therefore... We were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Isn't it wonderful that we can remember that He is risen? And because He is risen, we can have hope that we will rise again. If you've never been buried with Christ in baptism and reenacted the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that you can be added to the church, so that you can have your sins washed away so that you can be in Christ and start that new life. We would encourage you to do that today. In remembrance of me, that's the way our life ought to be lived. John told us that if we'll walk in the light, that the blood of Jesus Christ will continually cleanse us from our sins. If you haven't been walking in the light, you have an opportunity today to come and we'll pray with you and for you. And we have that great promise that if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Do you need to publicly show that you're remembering Christ today? If you do, won't you come right now as we stand and sing? How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that 
Before we partake of the Lord's Supper, we'll sing number 364. Come share the Lord. We gather here. come to this part of the worship service if you have not received an emblem can you raise your hand high and one of the elder uh, ushers will assist you this morning I told the uh, as we was closing told the 830 class of uh, uh, a custom that is done in Romania where our former church had a, a missionary and uh, Jimmy Ford, who was the gentleman and his wife that were over there, he was with them for years. And when it got around Easter time, everybody would greet everybody a different way. And they, the person would say one thing and it would generate a response. And I'm going to try to give you that uh, uh, greeting and answer in their language and then I'll translate. The person would come up to somebody and they said. Intra Edivar, no, I'm sorry, I, I did the response first. Heristos al Inviat, Intra Edivar el Yahweh was the response. 
And what that meant was Christ has risen. And the response was, indeed he has. When we continue into Luke chapter 22, well, actually it's 24, chapter 24. This is what generated that answer response. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went into the tomb, taking the spices that had been prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about, perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. So that was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and a lady named Salome from a in Matthew, you get that uh, information. And they went and told the 11, and they told others. And then while they were you know, still astonished about this, and some didn't believe, in verse 36, it says, And while they were talking about these things, Jesus himself, himself stood among them and said, Peace to you. At that moment, indeed, he has risen. And that's why we participate this every Lord's Day. It's not just because Jesus died, but it was because he rose again. And that's why we're here. And that's what we proclaim, the Lord's death, death and his resurrection. If you would take your emblems now, we'll participate of that feast that he instituted just a few days before this, this happened. Let's give thanks for the bread. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this bread which represents Christ's body that came to this earth and lived among us that was offered up for our sins, a perfect body for the sins of the world. Father, as we partake of this, this memorial, may we do so in a manner that would be well-pleasing your sight. This is in your son's name we pray. Amen. continue our thanks in the observance of the cup. Heavenly Father, we also ask you to bless this cup, which represents your son's blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. Heavenly Father, as we partake of this cup, which represents the life that is, that is gained through his blood, may we do so in a manner that would be well-pleasing in your sight. Again, this is our prayer in your son's name. Amen. Another commandment that was given that was to, on the first day of the week, that we would lay by and store as we had been purposed in our hearts. Uh, there are different ways to give. 
and we would invite you to do so. Uh, as, you, as you leave, there are some plates at the back, and also uh, for our, our members, they, they also know that there are other ways to give as, as well. We'll now be, uh, have Chris Beard come up and give us our uh, announcements and our, our closing remarks. morning. I'd like to welcome each and every one to our Sunday morning services. To our visitors, I want to extend a warm welcome. Hope you'll be able to attend with us again uh, at your next convenience. Our next scheduled service will be this evening at 5 p.m. I have some announcements if you'll bear with me. Everyone, men and women, is invited to a wedding shower in honor of Corey Rogers and Anna Kate Joyce next Sunday, April the 11th. 130 to 3 in the annex. They are registered at thenot.com. Also, the Golden Circle, April the 16th, a day trip to Tuscumbia, Florence area. Leave the annex at 9 p.m. Also, on April the 29th through May the 1st, there's a Georgia trip. Uh, volunteer list, uh, please check the table in the foyer for sign up sheets. <clears throat> I think this is in conjunction to what I just read. I'll, I'll read it again. The Golden Circle trip to the Biblical History Center and other attractions in Grange, Georgia, has been finalized. A copy of the itinerary is in the lobby. A sign-up sheet showing total cost is also in the lobby. If you plan to participate on this trip, please sign the sheet in the lobby. This is a three-day, two-night trip, leaving Thursday, April the 29th. If you have any questions, please check with Jim or Janita Estes. And the Freed Hardin Associates will meet this Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the Annex. All current and prospective associate members are encouraged to attend. This morning we had 180 in attendance, and at our early morning service we had 109. That is all the announcements I have at this time. If you would please stand, we'll be dismissed. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day we've had to gather together to worship you. Father, we pray for each and every one that we had opened our hearts and taken this lesson in, thought about it, and considered our own lives and how we are yet sinful creatures, that we need Christ in our lives daily, and that we often fail daily and need thy grace every day. Father, we pray that you will go with us and guide us. Father, we pray that you will be with those who are away this, this morning at uh, Lads to Leaders. Be with them on their trip back. Help them ha have a safe trip. Father, also we pray for all of those who are sick and hurting. We pray that you'll be with the ones ministering unto them, that they may help them return to their most wanted places in life. Father, we also ask you that you comfort those who have lost loved ones. Father, especially the Hale family this week. Father, we ask you that you go with us, guide us, and keep us near thee. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> 